chapter 27, as you remain standing with me just for just a moment, we're going to read just two verses. The book of Acts 27, and we're going to read verse 31 and 32. Let me feel the presence of the Lord here in this house this morning. God's up to something big. I tell you right now, Wednesday night, when I drove up Wednesday night, I got excited. I was like, man, I... We, I, I was like, it was like a buzz out there, like buzzing out there. And, the, and, and the, the, the parking lot was full and people were walking in and people were walking down the down the sidewalk. When I pulled into this side right here, they're walking down the sidewalk and people were like this walking in. Like like moving, like I don't want to miss worship. I don't want I don't want to miss what's going on. And I felt that expectation. I felt that that elevated spirit of I got to get there. And, and I don't know that for those of you that don't that haven't been here on a Wednesday night lately, I I can't I can't explain to you what's going on, but that's a great service. So if you just come to Sundays, I want you know that's good. But but if you can get to a Wednesday night service, especially this Wednesday night and especially this Thursday, it's going to be phenomenal. I'm telling you, the, the the brother that's coming to speak from Austin, he's from Victory Heights, Austin. He's very dear to my heart, and he 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 loves our Victory homes. He cares about our homes and. He oversees all of Texas, all of Colorado, all of all of New Mexico, and he's going to be with us, and he's going to be doing some special training too. Also on on Thursday morning, I don't think they mentioned that. If you want, if you're off and you want to just come, well, they're also having some special training also on on, on in that morning. Prayer starts at nine, they start at ten o'clock, and like I said, all the churches in the region are coming. It's going to be powerful. Acts chapter twenty-seven, verse thirty-one and thirty-two reads like this in the New King James Version. It reads, Paul said to the centurion. And the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it all fall off. Somebody shout, stay in the ship. Turn to your brother or sister and tell them, stay in the ship. Come on, I want you to preach it to them. Tell them, stay in the ship. And you can be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many know the storms come and storms go? Yesterday I was at a soccer game for Ava. Uh, just want you to know that in just the last week or two, her eyesight has improved over 50% in the procedures that's been going on and the treatment she's had. I, we're blown away. But yesterday as I was at her soccer game, we were sitting there and I, told, I turned to my son-in-law and I looked, and we were, I, I'm a soccer grandpa, and he's a soccer uncle, because he, he took, had to take her, my daughter was at a, at a class all day, and she goes, I go, you know, I go, I, I, isn't it a beautiful day? He goes, I love this weather here. They just moved from L.A., you know, because this weather's so beautiful. I go, well, it's going to get colder in October, I said, but it's nice, September's the best. And, and, and he goes, man, it's beautiful. And then about five minutes later, I, I had to save him from a, from a flying um, umbrella, because you know how it is. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, how can in just a minute or two the winds just pick up? I go, that's because storms come and storms go. They'll come in one minute and the next. I mean, we could be have the most beautiful day. You know, in the wintertime, I love about our city is that in our whole state is that you could be like in the sunlight and sun and snow will be dropping. And the sun's out. People that are here during that time are like, they can't, they can't, can't get it. You know what I mean? It's like, what? It's snowing and the sun's out. And it just, we, we never know how it's going to go. It just blows in and blows out. And that's the way the storms in our lives are. Sometimes the storm, we're doing great. Things are going good. You're, the car's running good. The kids are acting good. The husband's acting all right. He's throwing out the trash. He's cleaning up stuff around. He's got the honeydew list done. 
you know, sister, man, she's making fresh tortillas sometimes. Oh, no, no, that doesn't happen anymore. Not when we got Smith's and, and, you know, all these other stores. But I'm just saying, it's like, you know, everything's, just, everything's great. Everything's going good, right? And then, boom, all of a sudden, a storm comes, just rolls in out of nowhere. It just, it just rolls in. You know, like some of these hurricanes, they just, they, from one day to the next, off, there's a little disturbance out in the middle. And before you know it, it just broods up, and it, it, it's just horrifying fear of, of what's, gonna, what's to come. We saw just recently the Bahamas, how they were pounded by that, by, that, by that hurricane and devastation. I mean, it looks like a bunch of just sticks when you look at the, the elevated view from on top. It's just so, so horrible, so tragic. The storms of life come. We get rained on sometimes in our parties, man. You got to have a birthday party back in the backyard, and it rains. It just comes out of nowhere. And, and, and I, you know, the other, my car was looking nice. My truck was looking beautiful. Man, you know, it's black, and so it gets dirty so fast. I was going good, and I was, I was right at Unser, man, almost home. And I was on the phone with Dave. Brother David goes like this. He goes, hey, Pastor, I got, I'm, I'm almost home, David. I go, man, it's, oh, it's just starting to pour over here by our house. He goes, I'm over here, but I'm not, it's not, there's not a bit of rain going over there. I go, well, my truck's ruined now, man. It was looking sharp, man. The wheels were looking good, and now it's full of rain. I just rained. I pulled into the garage, and, man, the water's everywhere. And I, cause that's because it, it could just happen just like that. That's what happens. That's how storms come in. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't really like being in the storm. There's different categories of storms. You know, even in the, in the geo, uh, you know, and, uh, when, you, when you hear the, the people in the news, they talk about different categories. There's like, different categories of hurricanes. They have typhoons. There's different types of storms. And in our lives, there's different types of storms that hit us, man. Sometimes the storms of life will hit us in an area where it's not too big of a high category, and we, we just take control of that situation. We, 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 put a, we, put a, we put some calm to it. Other times, it, it, it swirls out of control. Before you know it, the roof's off. You know, you've seen these tornadoes that happen. You know, I, I, I was telling my son all that. When you, see, when you see the winds here that are 50, 60 miles an hour here, when it's crazy here in, New, in Albuquerque and in New Mexico, and it hits here in Albuquerque, I'm telling you right now, just it's sad, but you just, by the next day, when you see the news, the, the, the national or world news, you see Oklahoma, the panhandle, Arkansas, you see the tornado. Every time, it seems like every time that happens here, just the next day you look there and it's just, it's just man, it's devastating. And what was a smaller storm for us was a bigger storm for them. And sometimes, sometimes we get pounded with snow and the city shuts down, you know, a half inch of snow we get, you know. And, and, and the people in Denver laugh at us because they're driving around with, in, in a foot of snow with swells where, they, you know, they cut the road that goes up to like seven feet and they're driving around everywhere. And they come here to visit here and our storms are small compared to their storms. You know what I'm saying? But they handle, if we got a storm like that, we don't have the equipment to cut the snow out of the roads here. They do. So there's different categories of storms. The storms don't bother them that much because they're, they're, at, they're at a level of being able to handle those kind of storms. And that's the same way it is in the church. That's the same way it is with individuals, with people. Some storms that hit our lives, they don't bother you too much because you've been through some stuff. And you can handle the storm. Other people, you have a little small storm just at five mile an hour wind and you lose your mind. And that's just the way it is until you get some. Now, 
God has given us what we need to overcome the storms of life. He, he, he always teaches us. You look at the word. The Bible talks about it all throughout the word of God. Every, almost every character, even Samson, had to get through the storm of his life at the very end where God gave him the power and the strength to be able to overcome the enemy. And we see that over and over and over through the scriptures. God talks about the eagles. It talks about the eagle, how, you know what, it will mount up with wings as an eagle. Why? So we can fly above the storm. Do you know the, 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 the strong eagles, the eagles that have been around, the eagles that have already been through some stuff, they fly above the storms. They don't fly in the storm. And some, some, of, us, like, some of us get caught up in the storm when God is saying, I have given you the ability to get above the storm. Come on, somebody, shout amen. Now, one of the greatest examples in the, in the Word of God that I've seen when it comes to storm, is Paul. He talks, this particular scripture, he says, he says, he's talking about the time where he's getting shipwrecked. And if you'll turn with me to Acts 27, let's go down to verse 13 now. Let's, I mean, let's move back to 13. We're in 31, 32. Let's go to verse 13, and we're going to read a few verses down. Can we read some Bible this morning? For verse 13, again, the New King James, it reads like this, and they'll put it up on the screen. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurycleidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. In other words, it's let that wind push us. And sometimes we have a wind that is pushing on us, and we want to try to bear down, and sometimes we just got to go with the wind. Come on, somebody. The Bible says in verse 16, And running under the shelter of the island called Clauda, we secured the skiff without difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the citrus sands, they, st- they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day the, uh, they lightened the ship. In other words, they started throwing things off the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempests beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. They had come to the end. Have you ever been to the, in a storm in your life where you said, you know what, it's all over. I'm going to die. If there's something that happens, I'm dying in this thing. This is it. I'm done. I cannot make it through this thing. There's absolutely no way. That's where they were at. They had come to the place in the storm of their life, in the storm on this ship, where they could no longer, they absolutely couldn't, they couldn't take it anymore. They were just at the end of themselves. They were at the end of their faith. They had no hope left. The Bible says in verse 21, but after, listen to this, after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. The Bible says that he fasted. He abstained from food. He began to focus on God. He began to look at what the Lord was doing in this thing. And he, and he, and he tells them, I had already told you, but you didn't listen to me. How I many know sometimes people don't listen to the man of God? Come on, somebody. It's important to listen when the Spirit of God is leading. And so this is what he says. I love this. because, And now I urge you. So we're going to go into plan B now. I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. So we see that the angel of the Lord appears to him, shows up. How many know when we need God, God always shows up, and he speaks to him. He speaks to him so he can give them hope. Look what he says. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, verse 26, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, now let me know after 14 nights of the storm, sometimes you start giving up on your faith. He says, on the 14th night had come as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land and they took some soundings and found it to be about 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be about 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come. And the sailors who were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skip into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. How many know when God says stay in the ship, then you need to stay in the ship? When he says jump ship, then you jump ship, but not until he says it. The Bible says in verse 32, then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skip and let it all fall off. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them, to all take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited, continued without food, and have eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when they had broken, the, uh, they began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and all took food themselves. And all were 267 to 66 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Now, when the Spirit of God speaks in the storm, he'll give us an answer. He gave an answer to Paul. He said, you've got to go before Caesar. So I've got to save your life. But then he throws in, but also those who are with you are going to be saved as well. So he goes to them and he gives them the message. He tells them, this is what's going to happen. I believe what God has given to me is going to happen for us, but we've got to do what we've got to do. See, in all shipwrecks, there's a lot of monetary loss and a lot of loss of life. Recently there was a ship uh, that was taking some people out. To, to scuba dive and, 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 and a fire we came on board and it was crazy because usually usually the crew stays with the ship and goes down with the ship but on this particular thing they were down below and the, the, the crew could not get to them everybody that, that was on the ship that were there that rented, that paid you know you go out on, a, on a, some kind of a uh, you, you pay for, to go out on a, on a boat deep sea fishing or to go, uh, uh, to go scuba diving where you pay a certain amount of money usually it's a pretty good money you pay well they had all paid for that and they were on an overnight trip and they were sleeping down in the bottom of the bow and, and it started on fire and everyone's life was lost except the crew they're still investigating it what happened but oftentimes when there's a shipwreck 
there's a lot of loss. And first of all, the expense of that boat. And, you know, those ships are so expensive and they're beautiful. And, and, and those vessels, uh, they, they lose them. They go down to the bottom of the ocean sometimes. And sometimes they fall apart. And all that's on there, all every, every bit of people's goods are on there, are all lost forever. Uh, a shipwreck is something that nobody wants to go through. Now, now I've been on some pretty big ships. I've been on some small boats. And, I, in fact, I remember one time we were in this little small boat. In fact, Ronnie, I think it was with you and me and Pastor Jerry. And, and, and the three of us, and we were at Eagle's Nest. And we, we were told this, is you can be on this thing, but the moment the winds start getting on that thing, you get away, get back to shore, as soon, get back to the boat dock as soon as you can because the winds at Eagle's Nest can pick up like this, and they start getting tempestuous. And I thought to myself, I looked at Jerry, I looked at Ronnie, and I said, if the winds come, we're gone. We're done, man. There's no way we're going to get out of here. That's my mind. I'm thinking like that. And so we had a small little motor, a little small motor, and the boat's like this, running like that. And I'm like, my goodness gracious, man. We, 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 this, we, we stay close to the shore. You know what I mean? But, but it's, it's not something you want to go through. And some of you might have been through that. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you might have been in the Navy, been on all kinds of different kinds of ships. I was in the Navy, but I wasn't, I wasn't on the ships. I was a CB, so we were on the ground all the time. But, but that's why people, you know, there, there's still people that, you know, there's still people, you see it on TV, but there's still people that hunt treasure ships. And, and recently, about a 300-year-old ship, actually 2015, but they just brought it out now because the Colombian uh, government wouldn't allow anybody to, to they didn't want to give out no information yet because they were trying to seal you know, their rights to this thing because it was about a $17 billion find. And it just barely came out. But at the bottom of the Caribbean there near the coast of Colombia about three years ago, they claimed it was the holy grail of shipwrecks. The legendary San Jose Galeon, a Spanish ship rumored to contain over set over $17 billion nowadays of, of, of treasure. The Associated Press reports the ex- experts have identified the ship and confirmed that it is now the real deal so they can bring it out. Remains of the Spanish Galeon were discovered in Columbia in 2015, but the details, like I said, won't be revealed. They couldn't be revealed till then. So this San Jose was launched in 1698 and served as a part of the Spanish treasure fleet, a convoy of ships tasked with transporting valuable items from the Spanish Empire back to Spain. It was, it was a pretty risky thing, but they, uh, they, they lost the ship. At the time, Spain and France were involved in a war of the Spanish succession, a conflict that pitted the two countries against England, and that involved attacks on Spanish trade vessels. So more than likely, it was bombed. In fact, it was bombed, and then that's how it went, you know, the, the cannon, and it went down. And, of course, in those days, there was no way that deep. Like that. Nowadays, they can go down real low. They have all these vessels. They have these, these drone uh, submarines and all that, and they go looking for things. But in those days, they couldn't do that. So that, that, that ship was lost. And, and imagine, $17 billion worth of treasure. And, and so sometimes we know that, that, that when, you, when you're shipwrecked, you lose your treasure. You lose your fruit. You can lose everything that you built by just simply being shipwrecked. And Acts chapter 27 gives a detailed account of one of those shipwrecks. Because let me know that in Paul's day, in Paul's day, he says it, he speaks it, and we're going to talk about it in a moment, but that he's shipwrecked at least three times, he says. Talks about all the beatings he had and talks about all that. But he was, he was shipwrecked three times. He doesn't give the account of the other two. 
unless you can find them. But I, I, I'd like to believe that whenever any captain brought Paul on, when they were taking him to go talk to him before the, one of the magistrates or, or take him on a trip, they must have looked at Paul and said, oh, no, you're not getting on our boat. You're not getting on our boat. I, I, we don't trust you on the boat. When you get on a boat, this sinks. When you get in the boat, there's going to be storms around us. So no, 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 no. Get somebody else to take you. And here, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the church here, he writes to the church, and I believe that Paul wrote about things that he knew. I believe that he had experience, and I believe that, that he knew because he, he had been through some things. And he could write these things and say, listen, I've been there already, and there's going to be a day where you get shipwrecked, where you're going to be on the tempestuous waters, and you're going to have to know that during that time, there's going to be some things, some decisions you're going to have to make in that storm. And if you make those decisions based on the way you feel, you're going to sink. See, he had been through a lot of trials, a lot of trouble. He had been through a lot of storms. You think about the Apostle Paul, what he went for, for the cause, what he went through for the cause of Christ, man. You know, we, we get a flat tire and we lose our fruit, man. Cause you don't, cause your AAA ran out or because you don't have the, you don't have the, the roadside anymore. Whatever happened, just getting out and changing the tire. Pastor Joe's tired of some of you guys not, not having AAA. I guarantee you he's probably changed at least 40 of your tires in this place. There was a time when Sister Barb, her car, I don't know what was going on, but the, but the little wheel, you know, the little uh, hubcap would fall off. And, and Pastor Joe would say, I can get one. I'll find one. He'd go find one at the junkyard. Finally, what he did is he had like a whole trunk full of them. So every time she lost one, he'd go, don't worry, I got one. He'd open his trunk, and there'd be like four or five of them. And I'd go, what are those for? Those are for Sister Barb's. Uh... I go, really? He goes, yeah, because, you know, I'm going to have to go look for one. So I, must, I find four or five, I just get them all. They don't all match, but they look good. I mean, really, we, you know, we, we, we lose our fruit for the smallest little things. Somebody said something about us, and we like, oh, oh, I can't stop. stop. People going to say things about you. And it's not like you haven't said something about somebody else. Hello, somebody. Now, two things I want to bring out about Paul is that he knew what he was talking about, number one, because he had experience. There's something to be said about experiencing things, about being able to go through some things and be able to say, I've been right there. I've been through that young man, young lady. Listen, I have been right there. Let me give you a little insight. Let me give you a little wisdom. He had experience. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 21. Catch up to me, would you? And I think they'll show it up on the screen. Verse 21 reads like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, but whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. This is a New Living Translation. He says, I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, Paul says, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again, over and over again. Verse 24 says, Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five different times he was whooped, 39 plus, you know, he, he just shy of 40. Huh? 
And he says here, he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. You know that occasion where they stoned him to death, left him for dead, and he got up and went back, right back to the same town and preached. The Bible says, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from the rivers and robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, dangers in the desert, and on the high seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleep this night. I have been hungry, I have been thirsty, and often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. Then beside all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. This is the Apostle Paul. You think you've been through some stuff. I look at this and I say, my goodness, I need to repent of my complaining. Oh, I had to go through this and I had to go through that. There ain't none of us been through this. That's why when you're going through the storms, you need to stay in the ship. When God says stay in the ship, stay in the ship. The storms of life didn't shake Paul's life apart. He didn't say, he didn't, he didn't end at one, just one line and one sentence. There was many sentences there. Why? Because every time he came to a storm, he didn't let the storm shake it out of his life. He didn't let the storm shake the life out of him. He kept his head. He had a calm in the storm. He elevated above the storms. His experience is what helped him stay cool, man. He had already been through a shipwreck. So this time when he, when he was in the shipwreck, he goes, okay guys, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna fast a little bit and pray. I'm gonna ask God. I'm gonna ask God, what do we do? And he sent the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord comes and he said, listen, he goes, you're not gonna die in this thing. And neither are the guys with you. This is, but this is what you need to do. Tell everybody, stay in the ship for right now. Stay in the ship. Because if they jump ship right now, they're going to die. They're going to perish in that water. And some of you might think sometimes it's easier to jump the ship than to ride it out. Sometimes you've got to ride it out. Sometimes you've got to keep your head and your calm. You've got to elevate above the storms. I've, I've shared many stories of being a firefighter in our church but times when I was in a heated battle, a heated battle of fire, and that, that, that fire was the enemy, and you could see it just at the way it moves. It has a life of its own. And, and being in those places, I, I saw men's eyes turn to, to fear were running out of buildings. And, and, and not all of them, but a, but a few guys were young, and they didn't know. They didn't have experience. And I had to tell them, listen, calm down. Settle down. We've got the water. We, we're good. Just follow my steps. And we knocked down that fire, man. One time we were in a, in a fire, and we, we, were hit, we didn't know what was in there. We were hitting it, hitting it, going, and we got closer, and then we moved over to hit this other part that was burning real bright. And I, I forgot my training for a moment, but it was, it was those ramps that are made out of magnesium and water. How I many know fire will burn magnesium? That's, what they, that's why they have Navy ships, because they're built with magnesium walls, and you can't put water on them. You've got to put foam on them. So we hit that. We, we skirted over, and as, as soon as we hit it, it exploded. <laughs> Like that because water just activates. It's more. And that guy got to go, we're going to die. We're not going to die. I said, just take the water off the magnesium. People get heated real fast in the, in the midst of the battle, in the storm. What about you? 
when a storm comes to your life, do you immediately start freaking out and getting all weird and start shaking? And, or do you take the calm and say, I need to fast. I need to pray, man. Are you going through a storm right now? Stand the ship. Second thing I think really, that really God spoke to me about is, is that he knew what he was talking about because he was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. I love what he says, for there stood by me this night an angel of God. How many know he was there praying in tongues? Paul was baptized with the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, I don't know what to do. God, am I going to die now? If I'm going to die now, I'm, I, I commend my spirit to you. Here I am, Lord. What do you, what do you want for us, man? I, I can't believe that this is the way it's going to end, but that's the way it's going to end. So be it. It just has to be whatever your will be done. You're not my will be done. You're, I don't know how he was praying. He might have been saying, God, save me. I don't know. He was human. How would you pray if that ship was going... I know one time we were on a cruise years ago. You guys sent us on a cruise. And we were in a hurricane, man. And I'll never forget, Sister Barbara can ride any ride at the state fair at Disney. I don't care. She doesn't have, she doesn't flinch. Like, oh, yeah. You see the pictures and everybody else is like this. Ah, she's like this. Some of my daughters like that too. My grandkids like that. But but we, we were on the ship and, and we had, we had, Felt that before on those ships where it's like rocking you crazy, and, and they said we're, we're running from a hurricane. Oh, hurricane! Everybody starts scared, it gets fear. But this night, we were running hard from a hurricane, and all we could hear was we could hear the ship. We were hearing this. Kept on hitting it and hitting it, and I was like, and, and all of a sudden, Sister Barb woke up. She goes, "The blood of Jesus." And the moment she said that, I said, oh, my God, we're going to die. Because she's not afraid of none of that. She, she usually say, oh, that's not going to be it. We're, we're good. I said, oh, my Lord. She goes, call somebody. I go, who? So I got on the phone. And, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't answer because everybody's calling them. Finally, one answer yes, Mr. Sanchez, everything's good. We're running from a hurricane. Those are the big waves that we're hitting. The, the front is hitting that. It's just hitting it, but we're almost out of there. I go, it's 2 in the morning. When are we getting out of this storm? She says, we're moving fast. That's why we're moving real fast to get out. That's why you're hitting the, they're hitting the real loud pound. I said, all right. And he said, Barbara just prayed, repented. God, if this is your will. You know, we're, we're getting about to get shipwrecked. And we got out of there, and we're like, oh. So we have a little experience. So if we went on a cruise together, all of us as a church, which I'd like to do one of the days, go like to the one off of Mexico, all of us together go on a big cruise. We went on one and we were tired of running from a, from a hurricane. You just come up to my room. We just all hang out right there and we would be calm because we've been through that before. How do I know that? Because I, the first time we did it, Pastor Sonny, we went to his room like that. We're eating some pizza in his room late at night. We're all sitting and the hurricane's crazy. And he goes, ah, you're getting scared, brother. And I'm like, I said, I'm gonna, st- I'm staying in your room tonight. He goes, what? I go, I'm staying right here because this ship ain't going down with you in it. So I just. Storms are crazy, man. Paul was led by the Spirit. You know, the, the Passion Translation, it's a kind of a loose version, but it's, I love what it says in Proverbs 28, 25. It says, to make rash, hasty decisions shows that you are not trusting the Lord. But when you totally rely or totally 
rely totally on God, you will still act carefully and prudently. One thing you can't do in a storm is act frantic. I learned that being a firefighter. You can't act. And in the neighborhood, some of you have been doing time. You were taught when you pull, pull in there, don't get all, take your calm. Police officers are taught, do not just start drawing guns. Take your, take, calm. Keep your heart rate good. Keep it at 80. Luke chapter 4, 1 says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. He didn't just go out to the wilderness and say, I wonder what's out there. The Bible says he was led out into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. The enemy tried to tempt him, and what did he do? Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. The psalmist knew that the only way to get ahead was to lean on God. Psalms, I love what it says there. It says, it says that let your gentle spirit lead me in the right path. See, when you're going through a storm, stay in the ship. Don't jump out. Paul was led by the Holy Ghost. God wants us to be led by the Holy Ghost. When something happens at work, if the, if the Lord closes the door at your job, don't you start losing your mind. Oh, my God, my mortgage. Oh, my God, my payment. Oh, my. You say you might, you've got to have the kind of faith that says, okay, if the door's closing here, I wonder how many other good doors, better doors are opening over here. I'm not going to lose my mind over this. You've got to keep that kind of mentality because if that mentality cannot just come from your mind, it's got to come from your spirit. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the utter ends of the world. Listen, Acts 2 and 14, you, we saw, we know the story what happened. They were all in one place and the Bible says it like the sound of a mighty rushing wind that came through there and tongues like cloven tongues fell upon, a fire fell on each one of them. Can you imagine all of us right here and a fire just fell right on top of your head and just burning right there and you knew it was the Spirit of God. At that moment, they couldn't settle for anything less. If they if they jumped into a situation where it was smoky, they knew the smoke was not where it was at. It was the fire where it was at. That once you've been baptized in fire, you don't settle for smoke. Once you've seen the anointing of God, once you see the power of God move and manifest, you're not going to settle for just a little. We've got to stay in the Spirit. Man, we get out of the Spirit so easy. Somebody fronts you off and it's like, go back to that same stance. You know the picture you took right before you got out? You do that right away at Walmart. Somebody checks out your old lady. You're like, and what's crazy is you have some feminine things in your hand. Just saying, you got through that storm. If you can get through that storm, you should be able to get through that storm. That's a storm to go through. I remember the first time having to go. I'm not stealing these. I'm just hiding. <laughs> Can you hurry, 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 hurry? Here, keep the change. Keep the change. Put them back. Those are storms, man. 
Let me, can you come to the keyboard? I'm going to land this here. We're going to stay in the spirit. You can tell when you're not walking in the spirit because the way you react to things. It's how you react. When you're in the spirit, you react differently than when you're not in the spirit. If you ever found yourself trying to find the, the, the least offensive Christian cuss word during a heated moment, you're not in the spirit. And, and also, you can tell when you're walking in the spirit by what you're attracted to or what attracts to you. Constantly attracting to you or you're attracted. you you got to know, hey, hold on a second now. So, so it's about how you react, what you're attracted to. See, the other day we were playing golf with Pastor Pat, who's become a golf person. We all know now that Kyle hit a hole-in-one this past week. If you were here Wednesday, he, he mentioned it. And we know there's evidence because Pastor Pat was there. But if Pastor Pat was there, we wouldn't even be talking about this. No, there would be no discussion. Because if you don't have a witness or video or anything about a thing, that is, I don't care how much hole-in-one it is, it's not true until you got a witness. Amen? <laughs> somebody got to be there. If he had somebody there, that's the greatest miracle. The sec- first miracle is that he did it. Second miracle is that somebody was there to watch it. <laughs> but we were at that same, we were, we were at a golf course there at Asleta. It's like 20, 20 bucks in the afternoon or whatever. And so we went over there to go play, and we're there, man. We're playing. And uh, we get in these carts, and such a Barbara and Michelle, they're riding in the cart together, and me and Pat are riding the cart together, and, you know, I, I, we're driving around, and I just, there's a ball way over there, and, you know, way over there. So I just drove over there, and got over there, and I pulled in like this, and all of a sudden, bleep, 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 and on this thing, danger, this cart's going to turn off. So I said, ah, kept on going, and whoop, it just stopped. It has a governor. And you can't push those things, man. You'll pull your hamstring, your calf muscle, your toe muscle. You'll move your, you'll, 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 you'll pull your eyebrow muscle. You can't do it, right? So the only thing you can do is put it in reverse and it lets you back out slow. So it happened a couple of times by accident after that. Because the first time we just blatantly just did it. I'm getting that ball over there. I'm not walking over there. Second time we did it, it was by accident. And I said, ooh, 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 hold on. And it shows you on there, you're in danger. When you go too far, it stops you. All you can do is back up. Back up a little bit. So the key is to stay in the limits. The key is to don't go out of bounds. When you're in crazy times, you, you, you would think you would stay in bounds more, but that doesn't always happen. My friend, when things are good, great. Things are, you're having fun. Everything's nice. If you're not led by the Spirit, you'll go out of bounds. The Holy Ghost speaks to us. It directs us. It, it reveals to us. That's why we need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If you're going through a storm, stay in the ship. There, there's four ships. I don't got time to go into them, but there's four ships you need to stay in. Number one, you need to stay in worship. Worship is, a, is an all-out must. Some people, you have to understand, you can't just worship in church. I'll find myself singing, I worship you, oh God. All by myself. I don't need, I don't need a band. I don't need no music. I don't need YouTube. I don't, my heart wants to convey this love that I have for you. Or sometimes I just say, 
you know, oh, the blood of Jesus. And other times it's just, I just, I, I love to worship God. You can't just worship God at church. You, you've got to worship God when you're alone, at your house, in the car, at work, even under your breath. When I first got saved, I would just, I would, I would tell the guys, you guys take a nap. I'm going to wash the truck. You see, they knew I got saved because I, I would never done that. I would have told them, you guys wash the truck. Come on. I just go in there and I wash it. I would just worship. I was learning how to worship. So I didn't even know the names of the songs. I was just like Billy Vanilli, most of the songs. Literally, I just do it though. Because it's worship. You can stay in the, yeah, that's the first shift you have to stay in. Uh, Acts 2.46 says, with one accord in the temple. With one accord in the temple, they stayed in the temple. There were no worship. You know what? You worship alone. You worship together. And we worship together. That's why coming to church is so crucial. Because we worship together. We learn together. We grow together. And so it's so crucial. You know, summertime gets so bad with church attendance around the nation that there's different pastors and different churches that have started programs called Back to Church Sunday. I think we did one last week. We haven't done it this week yet. But it's like back to church Sunday because things are crazy during the summer, during the summer months, traveling and vacation and just all kinds of stuff. And then as soon as winter starts coming, people start kind of staying at home now. And, you know, it's not a lot of travel and just kind of there. And, and worship is so important. Corporate. The Bible says they got together, together in the temple and house to house. They ate with each other. They, they fellowship together. So church life is worship. Life groups. We've tried to build a culture of life groups in our church. We only have five life groups right now. We want to have ten. But if you want to be part of one, you should get a hold of one because that's a good time. To, to, it's a later, laid-back situation. It's a, it's a place where you can actually come and, and grow together and work together. So that's that worship. Second type of shift you need to stay in is stay in fellowship. Stay in fellowship. If you're not fellowshipping with other people, you're telling you're telling two things. Number one, you're going through something that you don't want nobody to know. Or number two, you don't like people. You can't be a Christian and not like people. You gotta like somebody. Maybe you don't like everybody. I don't like everybody. Not everybody likes me. Really? No. It's obvious. Not everybody's gonna like you. That's okay got to be a people person. That's why we have to stay in fellowship. Stay in worship. Stay in fellowship. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. See, they hung out together. They were there for each other. When somebody died, everybody came together and brought food. We all came together. When somebody was going through something, everybody got together. They prayed for each other. We need each other. It's the body of Christ. Third thing is they got to stay in discipleship. Tomorrow night, the men get together. Where are all the men? Okay, the men are coming. I heard the men's home pretty loud. Oh, they're, they're boo, 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 boo. I'm talking about the lions. Where are the lions at in the house? We're gathering tomorrow night. Amen. 6 o'clock for prayer. 6 o'clock for fellowship. 6.30 prayer. And 7. I know it's going to be powerful, so make sure you come. But the discipleship. We're doing discipleship. We're discipling men how to live for Christ. How to live for God, man. How to how to be great husbands. How to how to how to be good fathers. How to how to how to react to things. See, and then and then and, 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 and discipleship. We're discipling. Not everybody's called to be a leader, but for those of you that are called to be a leader, we're going to disciple you to be leadership. And then you got to get lead, you have to give leaders some freedom to teach you and how to encourage you. The apostles, the Bible says, were disciple. They were discipling these men. 
how to grow in Christ. That's why he said they were together all the time, teaching them. Listen, remember, 3,000 people got saved that day that Peter uh, preached that first day. Right after the Holy Ghost fell upon the, uh, the upper room, they went out. And the Bible says he preached a cutting to the heart message. And many 3,000 people were added to the church. Well, now they needed to get discipled. Some of you are new in the Lord. Some of you are not. You've been around the Lord for a long time, but you still need fellowship. You still need discipleship. You still need worship. And if you're new, though, you need to be discipled, man. Ladies, you need. That's why women have discipleship, and we have discipleship. We need discipleship. It's important to stay in that. And lastly, you, you have to stay in stewardship. Be a good manager of your life. Take over. Take, take, take some charge of your life. Steward. Be a manager. Stewardship over what your temple. Stewardship over your mind, stewardship over your finances, stewardship over your stuff at home. And don't just let everything be a mess. Take 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 take, take pride in making sure that you got everything together. Acts 2.44 says all believers had met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared their money with those in need. They were led by the Spirit and stewardship. Yes, steward over your call. Don't let your call slip away. Too many people are led by emotions. Too many people are led by, 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 by circumstances. This is where you've got to stay in the ship, man. Stay in worship. Stay in fellowship. Stay in discipleship. Stay in stewardship. The disciples taught them how to give. Taught them how to tithe. Taught them how to step out in faith. Taught them when they saw a need. Father, what's, what, 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 do I, what do I do, Lord? You know, there's some people like that in our church. Some of you blow my mind. Blow my mind how, how God uses you. We don't have a big church, but how God uses you to make sure that when there's a project going on in our ministry, there's something, there's a need, bam, you're just led by the Spirit and you do it. It blows me away. I'm so grateful to have people, to pastor people like that in our church. Givers, we have excellent givers. Our givers are some of the best givers in Victory Outreach. And I'm so grateful for it. So when you're going through a storm, what are you going to do? I can't hear you. What are you going to do? Stay in worship, stay in fellowship, discipleship, and stewardship. I want you to stand to your feet with me. You see, the storms of life are going to try to shake you. When you get a bad report, in any fashion, family member, a death in the family, doctors, whatever it is, that's where you have to hold on to your faith. You know, to this day, I'm still... My heart is still, I, I, my heart's broken for the Brody's gone home to be with the Lord. But I can't, I cannot forget his beautiful spirit in his storm. Maybe you heard him, but I didn't hear him. And nobody that I know has told me they heard him. He never complained, why me? It's not me, God. He just kept that beautiful spirit. He was never shook. I'm sure when he was alone at night, middle of the night, those hospitals with chemo running, chemotherapy running through his veins. He may have said, God, I can't take this. Whatever your will is for my life. You talk about storm. That man, that young man went through storms, man. And he fought all the way down to the end. He fought a good fight. That's why when we, when we laid him to rest, we were able to say, he fought the good race. He, he ran the race. He fought the good fight. Amen? In his storm.
got to keep your head, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your calm in the storm. Paul's experienced having to stay cool. It elevated him above that storm, but it was the Spirit of God that kept him cool. So your experience will keep you cool for a bit. It'll keep you above the storm for a little while. But it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of Christ. It's the anointing that'll keep you cool. It'll help you run to the end of that race. How about you hear this? You, 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 you depend on feelings. You elevate above the storm. Do they shake you or do you shake them? Paul was led by the Holy Ghost. Our church for the past 34 years have been led by the Spirit. I'm not going to say we've done everything right, but we have been led by the Spirit at every church. If if we have to, if, if we've got a little out of bounds, then we just put it in reverse. Sorry, God. Either I do it or Barb does it, or one of our team does it. Say, Pastor, I think we're out of bounds right here. I think we need to pull it back a little bit. Not, we need to go this way. Oh, amen. That's life. Listen, I, I love our vision. We can't fulfill our vision if we, if we can't take a little storm. You can't take a small storm on a small boat. What makes you think you're going to do on a big ship, on a big vessel? The Holy Ghost leads us, man. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is here this morning. I believe that if you're going through a storm right now, that you need to stay in your ship. You need to stay in worship, fellowship, discipleship, stewardship. Now I'm going to call an altar call in just a moment. I first want them to sing, and I want you just to stay right where you're at. Nobody move. I want to ask you to close your eyes. I want you to just lift your hands. I'm going to call an altar call in just a moment, but I first want you to just, just really focus on God.